This episode is brought to you by Indie Insights, our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to independent film. Inside, you'll find tools, tips, and tricks vetted by industry professionals, independent films that will inspire your creativity, filmmaking events where you can rub elbows with filmmakers just like you, and so much more. The best part of it all, it's absolutely free. All you have to do is go to www.banzai.film forward slash subscribe. And within a few clicks, you'll be part of our newsletter community. Again, that's www.banzai.film forward slash subscribe to get Indie Insights, a free bi-weekly newsletter from Chris and Nick at Bonsai Creative. You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps creatives in film get where they're going faster by sharing the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives across the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Hello, hello, Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this is an Indie Talk Week, and that means I have my good friend and co-founder with me, Nicholas Bugs. Nick, say hello. Hello, hello. It's, uh, you know, third time the charm, my brother. <laughs> I don't think I... <laughs> it's all good, man. I've been no, it's all good. It's all working good. all day, selling my soul. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Every time I <laughs> sing that, here, I can't hear. I can't hear, but I can't help but to hear bended knee. Oh yeah, yeah. I Think hear about you. it. It's like it goes like this. I've been working all day, selling my soul. Stop pointing fingers. The blame is on me. He just go right. Goes right into it. Goes right into it. It's freaking me out, bro. All he did. All he did was lift Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis's on bended knee. Put a banjo on it. And threw his Virginia Mountain slang on it and made a hit. But it was already you know that it is? was called Bended Knee by Boys to Men. You know what that is, bro? That's called leveraging IP. <sighs> yeah. That's it. You know, hey, go with what works, Barbie. Yeah. You know, if it works, yeah. it works. So I'm good with it. Yeah, he called his break, didn't he? He called yes. his break. Well, it's been a long time since we've been on here. You went on vacation and a lot has happened. Uh, including Oliver Anthony. Shout out to Oliver Anthony and his uh, success being, you know, posted by Joe Rogan and going absolutely viral because of it. Uh, just it's one of those zeitgeist moments where the thing you're singing about, the passion you sing it with, it perfectly aligns with how people feel that live in your community and outside your community. And it's smashed, man. Like he, I went to go search for the music. He's got tons of songs. He's been around for a minute. A minute. Well, most people minute, have been around for a minute, a minute. before that and happens, he just, right? He just got, I mean, imagine having overnight success. It's not overnight, but you had overnight right. success at however old he is because he's not 20. Right. You got platformed, man. And it's awesome when, you know, high quality people, high quality creators, musicians, artists, whatever, get platformed. It's like you just 
it's like a blessing, dude. Like all you can do is be grateful, be thankful, be happy for him. I've been working all day. Oh, selling man, my man. soul. <laughs> <laughs> Overtime hours, yeah. bullshit pay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like, who? Everybody wants that. The other thing is, I thought about this while you were on vacation. So Nick was on vacation last week, folks. And I, I just, yeah. I couldn't get this thought out of my head. And I kept thinking to myself, how would Olympic swimming change if black folks cared about swimming? Because the way Denzel watched me swim, went across that river to go fight them boys on the dock. Oh my God, dude. Oh my God. That, that, that Denzel watched me swim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Denzel. So S A I L. So you add an all the stuff to it. Yeah, Denzel. Watch me swim. Watch me swim. <laughs> now, just imagine if black folks so, cared about swimming. What mm, would happen? Oh yeah. I, I, well, you know what would happen. You know what would happen. A we bunch of black folks would drown. We get. <laughs> I thought you you were going to say somebody would rebuild the Santa Maria. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Sell that thing right on to the Olympic (laughs) pool. Grab one of them up. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're not They're not going to let us win. No, they're not going to let us win. Nick, they're not going to let us win. No, it's all good. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. You know, I think there's enough other sports. Let me ask you this seriously. And I don't know if producer Elise or, or producer Papa Bear wants to hop in on this. Have you ever seen a Negro swim in the Olympics? For the USA, let's just say. Have, have you seen it in your lifetime? I want to say. Uh, I think it's no. It's funny. You, you just mentioned that. I was like, yes. But then I'm like, no, that was when I think there was one year where they were three Canadian hockey players who are black. <laughs> and I, that's, I got confused. I was like, yeah, I saw it. I was like, no, nah, that was hockey. My bad. That's what I'm saying, uh, man. It's just like, it's one of those sports we just haven't explored. That was golf until Tiger. Yeah. I remember when I was growing up, people thought Vijay Singh was a, was a Negro. I was like, <laughs> well, man, well, he, but brown not. skin, that's what yeah, I'm saying. But like that Indian dude, I don't even know if he skin. likes black people. VJ <laughs> Singh, VJ hey, Singh probably hey. talks like Vivek Ramaswamy. I, I know nothing about such things, my friend. All I know <laughs> is that I think there was a there was an obvious identification, you know, with Shout him because he had brown skin. That's what it was. He did. But, I remember him because he was the only brown person on golf uh, that you would see. Right. Honestly, like, who, the, who else? Who else before Tiger? Did you see that? That was. Nobody. I mean, Nobody. Yeah, the, the big question is, though, I mean, you're asking me about before Tiger. It's like, well, before Tiger, was I even watching golf? Before Tiger was golf. Yeah. Interesting to you. Yeah. I mean, That's a good point. I mean, I'm trying to think. Was Happy Gilmore before or after Tiger? Ooh, shit. <laughs> I think it was <laughs> maybe right at the same time. Yeah, maybe. May I check that. I'm not, I'm not yeah. actually sure like which came first, Happy Gilmore. Maybe producer release. Can pull that up and we can find out which one. Yeah, it's probably first. around the same time, to be honest, because yeah. he wasn't in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like he might have been be coming up. It. He would have been yeah, in yeah. it. So yeah, yeah. around the same time. Yeah, I'm just saying it's it's it is interesting because there are still sports that like 
are completely auto white balanced. <laughs> I can't. I can't. You know what I'm saying? I can't. You know, camera setting. Yeah. You know it's just completely auto white balanced. Oh, we got produced release. Yep. She says the first record setting black swimmer is is that a black name? Maritza <laughs> Corrientes. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so is that a black name? If that if that's not a black name, I'm sorry. It, she can't be black. I'm sorry. What? Yeah, she was the first black American to set an American and world swimming record, and the first black female Olympic swimmer to join the U.S. team 2004 Olympics. So, yeah, there I guess go. things are changing. For those that are uninitiated, because this is a global, this is a global podcast. Black people in America, especially have a, a very strange relationship with water because of the slave ship situation and how many of us were tossed off the edge of slave ships on the way over. That's all. And so there's a, like a joke that people like to, Oh, black people can't swim. Black people get, we don't want to swim. <laughs> well, no, nah, see, I'm a- <laughs> and now, now we do, hey, hey, but hey, we didn't hey, want hey, to swim. Hey, it wasn't that I, we I just, couldn't I just, swim. I just have you to saw, say, you I gotta, saw gotta, Denzel gotta jump in. swim. I, I gotta, I gotta jump in and be you like, saw yes, Scuba Gooding Junior. We saw Scuba Gooding Junior. But that swim. ain't real. That ain't that ain't real. That's that's mm-hmm. the joke. But there's mm-hmm. no, you know, black people in general don't want to swim stuff. That's not you can't blame. My mom would put on a one piece swimsuit and sit on the steps. It's a joke. Uh, um, that sounds like a your mama joke. <laughs> <laughs> My mom didn't get the water. In reverse. <laughs> she, put a, once she put a one piece on and sat on the stick. She said, she said, I'm going swimming. Mom, you hadn't swam yet. You're right. <laughs> I'm in the water. Right. If she's in the water, she you, swam. You so I don't that. know. That's That was just people in my family. I'm sure. Look, you're right. It is a joke. It's not totally true. But it is one of those things. And so anyway, you've been gone. We've missed a lot. A lot's going on. I don't know if you even have an opinion, like an opinion at all on, I mean, we didn't get to talk about it. We normally would. Do you even have an opinion, you know, whatsoever on that doc situation just to put a period on it forever? Like a short one? No, no, I honestly, honestly, I don't like, I don't want to really get into, I've seen so many things in the memes about it. And some of the memes are ridiculous. I guess there's, there's a potential, well, there's a potential culture check in there as well. But I will tell you the first time I saw that um, video, I was like, dude, just hit somebody, a woman with the chair. And then you got another one where they're beating this woman up and throw her in the water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was my first reaction. I mean, some guys fighting, it wasn't even about black and white. It was just some people fighting to me. That's and what then I said. When I saw, yeah, but when I saw them like hitting women, that that's when it was just like, yo, what's what the heck is going on? Like, how did it escalate yeah. to this? Yeah. You know, and they threw that woman in the water. You know, I don't know. She could have been knocked out. She could have drowned. Like, no one was yeah. jumping in the water to save her. She yeah. saved herself. So that was my first reaction, to be honest. I was like, yo, I don't understand what just happened that any of these fools thought it was okay to start hitting women with chairs and beating them up and stuff. So that that's really my take on it. And then. I saw all the memes about the chairs and this, that and I was like, yeah, this is turning this, this whole thing into a joke. So I just let it be. I'm like, I don't want to want to bother with it. Yeah. So 1996, this was deja vu for me. 1996, my junior year of high school, bam, just, you know, just to age myself there. But I, um, 
was in class and they, they announced the OJ verdict. My teacher, who was, uh, oh, is white. She was a white lady, English teacher. She got the verdict and she did like this, put her head down and started weeping in class, weeping. And I hear this boom sound. It was scary. I didn't go to a good high school, bro. So we go down the hall. One of the other teachers had flipped his desk. Right. This. Yep. Flipped his desk. Meanwhile, in the hallways, black people were running around like they just won the lottery. He's like, what you win? What happened? What happened? OJ's free. I'm like, oh, shit, man. And so these are the moments where I'm really happy. I'm, I grew up in a very balanced biracial home, meaning my mom's black. My dad's white. My dad didn't emulate black culture. My mom didn't emulate white culture. Right. Which is fine if you do that. But it just wasn't that way for me. So I got very balanced household. So I just thought it was a bunch of dumb dumbs doing dumb, dumb stuff. And we have a mutual friend where we were debating about this. And, you know, he wanted to harp on the fact that you're hitting a woman with a chair. You're hitting a woman with a chair. I said, I listen. The Internet is going to try to make this into black versus white when it was really drunk versus sober. And it just so happened the racial divide was there. There were actually white people trying to break it up and black people trying to break it up. There were a million choices in between that could have been made that that would have made that outcome better for everybody because everybody got arrested. Everybody got hurt and everybody's going to be fined. Everybody's going to get charged for aggravated assault. It's not good. And so this is just another situation where there's no black pride. And that's a lot of people sort of pumping this idea. DL Hughley is one of them, a few other people. And I like DL, but I just like, it's, it's, it's not, I have no, there's no pride. This is just a bunch of dumb dumbs, like doing dumb, dumb stuff. And yeah, that's why when you asked me the question, if I had an yeah. opinion, that's it. I know. I, yeah. Th- this like we didn't, we didn't win a prize because black people came to the defense of, and then I saw somebody else trying to dog whistle. Like it was a white guy on TikTok. I forget his name, but he was like, if you got triggered by seeing that woman get hit with the chair, you need to check your privilege. You see, you don't realize that you are upset, not because a woman got hit with a chair, but because a white woman got hit with a chair. This is a white guy saying this. And he's like, if that had been a black woman, you wouldn't have cared, would you have? And I hate when you answer the question for the listener or the viewer, like, yeah, I would have cared. And, I, and so what's missing is at what point, what, when did we just miss out on what you said, Nick? You hit a woman with a chair. Didn't matter her race. Right. So we have to get, we have to get out of that. We have to get past like this Ibram X Kendi kind of like race identifying sort of opinion based stuff. I like what, I like what Coleman Hughes says about it. I like, I like his arguments because he talks about Martin Luther King wouldn't even agree with this. Right. And there's, and there's a bunch of people in history that were for color blindness being the way forward as a, as a methodology for having anti-racism. So I don't know. I just thought it was monkiness. Or as you say, Nick, foolishness, yeah, foolishness. foolishness. And I'm that, glad, that's why I'm I glad it, it was the, fool- you know what it, it is too? It, and I know we're going to talk about this later in culture check. We're going to talk about social media influence on culture check today. So you guys have to stick around for that. Cause it's going to be incredible, but um, we have some things to say about it, but it's, it, 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 it it's like the people need something for the week. 
And that no, no, was no. The, the, rat, the people, that was the, the people, rations you know, for the week. The, the people don't need it. It's the the clickbaiters need it. You know, so yeah, that's what all I'm the memory saying, like is. The, the, you the know, people like, who 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 click like and retweet, repost, uh, whatever it may be, add it to the stories. Those people need to be fed for the week. So that's why well, tra- yeah, train these wreck, big man. stories train go by so quick, and then you get the next story. Yeah, train wreck. It's just clickbait. That's all. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm good. Like we don't need to talk mm-hmm. about it anymore. Like I'm good with it. Like it's just let, well, I, we will talk about so some many more here of in a minute things. with this culture check. But yeah, I but there's so mean. many of those things. I'm just like, ah, whatever, man. Like I got better things to pay attention to. Like the fact that we sh- we might be getting close to just being able to take a victory lap, Nick. We're, we're this we're this close. Not that like we have haters or ops or that we have like. You know, somebody who, you know, actually is like actively telling us, oh, what you guys espouse around branding and marketing is, is, you know, incorrect or, or full hearted or, um, you know, or, or antiquated or anything like that. But it is the sense of like, we do get on these consult calls with filmmakers every day. We do present proposals and we do do our best to advocate for the independent filmmaker. Um, you know, all the time. And sometimes it is a conversational struggle to explain the importance of branding and marketing, especially before this year. But now, man, I just feel like, I mean, start with the Robert Rodriguez flop. Love, shout out to Robert Rodriguez and Ben Affleck. Love them. But let's just start with that flop in February where nobody even knows the name of the movie. I, I actually need producer at least to pull up the name of the movie for me. I forgot what it's called. And they <laughs> made this decision to spend zero dollars on marketing. Zero dollars. Then you have the story of Barbie, who spent more on the PA, the print and advertising, than they spent on the actual movie. You know, that's not new news, but the way they did it is unique and new. And I read shout out to Alex Garcia, who is on X slash Twitter at Alex Garcia underscore ATX. If you guys want to check it out, he does a bunch of really cool sort of marketing threads. And and he was talking about how before the film's launch and what do we always say, Nick, you got to get started in pre-pro, right? Yeah. Branding and marketing all the time, right? It's not just marketing, right? Branding. (laughs) Yeah. So before, and here's the deal. They didn't have a lot of branding to do. Um, Mattel had sort of fallen from our collective consciousness, to be honest, before this movie, let's be real, but they still had a brand, but what was the quality of the brand before the movie? That's the key. And now after the movie, their brand quality is shot through the roof and there's no same person on the planet that would argue that that was a $150 million not well spent. The movie just crossed one point, I think $2 billion globally. It's going to keep going. It might cross all said and done in that two year window. We talk about, you know, that two years to exploit. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a saying in film, every movie makes its money back. The question is, will it make it back in two years or 200? And if it makes it back in two years, it's a successful film financially. If it makes it back in 200, obviously that's no good because you're going to be dead. But anyway, 
that money against a 1.2, probably end up $2 billion to $2.5 billion, $3 billion total rev in two years was the best investment they could have ever made. And we struggle sometimes in our conversations with any filmmakers to explain this fact and this point, because most of the time any filmmakers are spending zero dollars, zero dollars on branding and marketing. And then they try to figure it out and scramble at the end. But anyway, what they did, Mattel's brand, who, you know, who was kind of teetering, they invested that money into brand partnerships with a hundred and hundred plus brands in advance in advance. So Airbnb, Burger King, Xbox, a number of others. And you might say, well, Chris, Nick, that happens all the time. Like, what's the big deal? Well, it does, but usually the, the brand tries to control every element of the film's products, marketing, et cetera. Mattel did the opposite. They said, okay, Burger King, we're going to lower our royalty minimum. So you won't have to pay us as much money. You won't have to meet a minimum to make the, the brand partnership work for us to sign this contract. And then the second thing they did was they said, but use your own teams, get creative, figure out fun new ways for you to present Barbie to the world. And whatever you pick, we've agreed in advance to just deal with it and deal with is kind of the wrong wording, but we agree to just, we agree to go with it and support you. That's a better way to put it. And it just worked beautifully because they ended up crowdsourcing their, their branding and it saved them a ton of money. Like if you're wondering why Barbie seemed like it was everywhere, it's because Barbie was. And even though they spent 150, they, they probably got $500 million worth of value out of it, frankly. So, I mean, other movies come to mind that didn't, that spent more and, and didn't do as well. Black Adam comes to mind, for example, they spent more on marketing, if I'm not mistaken, uh, producer PB, at least you can fact check me on that. But, but that movie didn't pay off for the money they spent on that. The fast movies, um, they spent a ton on branding and marketing P and a, and so it's just a genius move. And for those who don't know, we kind of do the same thing here where we crowdsource our execution and just simply have the backs and support the people who make the content for our indie filmmakers. So, and it's just a, I think it's a modern approach and it lowers the price for everybody. Anyway, Nick, I just wanted to share that. I know we've hammered Oppenheimer and Barbie into the ground, but I just think this is a story that actually hasn't been talked about very much. It should be. No, no. Well, you mentioned, you know, Barbie was a brand before, but. Well, Barbie or Mattel? Cause well, both of them both, they were, yeah. were brands okay. before. Um, but I think that they did still have to do a lot of brand work and I'll say a lot. They did smart brand work. Okay. So, you know, my daughter plays with Barbies and there's all sorts of different types of Barbies, right? And there's, there's Barbies, you know, there's a black Barbie. And I, I mean that her name is Barbie, but she's a brown skin girl, right? But she's Barbie. And then you have all of the sisters. Right. She's got sister mm -hmm. and she's got friends. Right. There's all these different characters in the Barbie world. You know, yeah, now yeah. they have Barbies of different body types. You know, when I say Barbies, I mean, characters in the Barbie world. So there's all these different things that are around Barbie. Barbie isn't one thing. Barbie is many things. Right. Mm -hmm. Barbie's a doctor. She's a nurse. She's a lawyer. She's a judge. She's, you know, all these different things. Barbie can be. She's a gymnast. Right. My daughter has all these things or turns her into all these things. Right. So yeah. Barbie isn't 
one thing. I bought thing. my daughter's worker Barbie. And there you go. So she's all these things. <laughs> and, and the thing is that like, what thought, did they Barbie? You're right. So it's not even just that it's Barbie as the brand. Yes. What they did with this is they brought the pink back, right? If you really look at it, that was the brand that they were really That's bringing in. That's interesting. With, yeah. with Barbie. So there yeah. was definitely some intelligence around that. And that was, that was to me, that was one of the best ideas they had with that Barbie brand was to make it pink. A lot of the, you know, jokes or memes about men going to see Barbie was that, you know, they would, you'd have these guys wearing pink going. And one of the yeah, things that did. I saw, yeah, well, that one of the things that I saw was that, you know, you had the guy wearing the messy jersey, right? Because Inter Miami mm-hmm. FC, their yep. jerseys are pink, right? So in order to get him to wear pink to the Barbie movie, he's wearing a messy jersey, right? So, but that was the core of it. And for my family, I'll tell you, from my wife, my daughter, my sister-in-law, what did they do? They got the pink Barbie sweatshirts, right? Like, it's not just Barbie. It wasn't just Barbie. If they had done Barbie in blue or orange or white or whatever, that's not going to bring them together. But with that pink, that was huge. And now it you can was. leverage that pink in so many different ways with so many different places. You can play off of that in so many different ways. So I think that that was, to me, one of the big genius um, efforts that they took to to create that brand and push it out. And again, because they didn't brand Mattel, you know, I, no one, I don't even know if my daughter knows that Mattel is the company behind Barbie, right? She so should. they weren't at the center they do, of if this. If they're doing it right, then she shouldn't, right? You know exactly. I mean? So, yeah, so that's the thing. So at the center of this was that pink of the Barbie. So I, I love that. And I'll say that the other part of the Barbie conversation is, you know, some folks saying, yeah, yeah, like you're like right now, you're saying, look at what Barbie did not just from a marketing perspective, but it was also a really good movie. And it really leveraged good movie and a great IP. business still. Right. And it leveraged in the IP background. And yep. it's making a lot of money. So what are people are going to see? And I say people really in uh, the studios, they're going to be like, oh, look at this. More IP that's doing really, really well. So let's double down on IP. And then you got other folks, you know, still in the industry in Hollywood saying, oh, man, don't do that. We don't need to double down on IP just because Barbie was successful doesn't mean we need to throw all of our chips there. And I think that's right. You know, I agree. You know, we don't want it all to be. And, I, you know, I don't I hate to say this about Barbie, but it's I think it's true. We don't want all of our content to be super commercial. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's you're going to get that essence from Barbie, that it's super commercial to me, as I told you before. Stuff like that is a commercial. You know, they're going to make yeah. a bunch of money on the, the film. Giant commercial. Yeah, but they're going to be making money on the, you know, the toys, the clothes and all that stuff for ages. Um, so, yeah. So there's this faction in the industry that's like, I hear you and congratulations, but let's not go there again. You know, let's not let's not throw all the chips in there. And I appreciate that sentiment. I agree. Let's make sure that the, you know, the artsy side of film, you know, can make it now. I'm going to throw this out to you, Chris. You so you mentioned mm-hmm. this other film uh, that Affleck was in, right? And yep. you said you called it a flop, right? Because nobody mm-hmm. saw it and maybe it didn't make any money. But maybe they made that for the art of it because it's highly likely that everyone involved in that got paid and got paid very well to make yeah. that film, right? Yeah. So even though the film may not make a bunch of money, it might, it'll probably make some money in streaming and somewhere, you know, because it's got yeah, Ben we'll Affleck. find out if it's good, yeah. Right. If it's good, but right? we wouldn't know because we didn't see it. Because we didn't see it. But <laughs> what I'm saying that's is that's my point. That my point isn't art, art, these types are money. These types mine of is see it or not see it. 
Right. But what I'm saying is they could potentially have made it for the art of it and aren't no, as concerned I, with the broad, yeah, you know, yeah, so big, huge audience associated I'm with it. I'm saying, but yeah, I get, uh, look, so what? Uh, every director at the professional level makes it for the art of it. There isn't anybody that's going to sit there and tell you they didn't make the movie for the art of it. You know what I mean? Like, so I get what you're trying to put down. Yeah, yeah. But it's just like, yeah, they made it for the art of the courses. Robert Rodriguez. Like, yeah. But but you can't tell me that the studio didn't want it. Like, it's a business deal. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's what I'm saying. They're probably making that money. What I'm saying is they're making that money. We'll find out. Well, we may not even find out is my point. Like those deals we don't know about who they already pre-sold that film to. You know, which platform is mm. going to get it? Who knows, man? Like, what I'm saying is just, it's just not getting the noise of Barbie, but it's probably still a profitable deal. Cause, like you said, it's Robert Rodriguez and it's Ben Affleck and it's studio. Yeah. They're not playing games with that. So that's what I mean. They just yeah, didn't put all get, the money. They'll get another shot. I mean, I mean, you could throw Wes Anderson in there too, right? Like, Asteroid City was a, was a movie that I heard some people say was great. Yep. And it was a movie I heard a, a Two people say they just left on. They just walked. <laughs> like, like I'm like, really? It's Freddie got fingered. Like, come on. Like, which is the only movie in my life I've ever walked out on. Walked that's out how of, cheap. Right. That's, that's how cheap I am. I'm like, I paid for it. I'm in. I'm in the whole way. Except for Freddie got fingered. Except for Freddie got fingered. Right. <laughs> yeah. Tom. Uh, what's his name? Tom. He had a moment. He was married to uh, uh, Drew Barrymore. Come on, guys. It's the the humping animals, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah. Tom. Tom Green. Tom Green. Yeah, Can- Canadian. Yeah, yeah. Tom Green. Freddie got fingered. Don't watch it or watch it just because you want to <laughs> see what the worst movie ever made is. People always say it's Howard the Duck. That Might was a great Freddy movie. What are you talking about? Exactly. Might be Freddie got fingered. Duck. Yeah, it's often mentioned as like the worst movie ever made, but it's like it's 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 an Oscar winner compared to Freddie Got Fingered. Mm. Like that's. And I've now somehow on accident and and totally out of left field said fingered on the show like seven times. times. <laughs> right. Um, so, so, but here's the thing about Oppenheimer and Barbie. Yeah, uh, and I'm going to throw Oppenheimer in this mix too because it's going to cross a Billy as well. These types is of things. that people were tiring of the superhero tentpole film, and so I think it's kind of. You know, retro speak, you know, after the fact, after the success happens to say, but by a lot of these people like, okay, this got very commercial. Let's not make this thing. And it could be genuine. I think that's fine. But before that, what people were tired of was tentpole movies that had men and women in tights. Like they, so this year we got blockbuster movies that were about something else and had a different kind of audience. And at the time that those movies were being written and shot, I bet studios were like, this is a big risk. Like we can't pretend like Tenet, Nolan's last film before this one killed it. It didn't. There was a risk spending this much money on a Chris Nolan film about Oppenheimer, which before the movie came out, you could ask any 25 year old or younger who it was. And they wouldn't tell, know who it was. Right. Sadly enough, how you don't get taught about Oppenheimer anymore in school is mind boggling. So yeah, there was risk here. I remember when the Barbie movie got announced, people were like slapping their forehead, you know, slap your forehead emoji. 
Like it was like, have you uh, had like, your V eight today? Yeah. It's like, like, are we really serious right now? Hollywood you're making like, you're making an angry birds movie. You're making the Lego movies are kind of fire, but you're making a Lego movie. You're making like all these movies based on, you know, Qbert movie. Like you're doing right. all these things. Now you're going to make a Barbie. This is lame. It's cool to have that sort of 2020 vision in retro, but like, at the time that these things were announced and being made, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of pushback. You know, they just proved themselves right. They bet on themselves. They they won big. And so, yeah, if we get another summer where these are the kind of blockbusters we get, I'm okay with that because we're still going to get the Oscar qualifying films between September and December. Like we're still going to get those movies. So I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. No, I'm okay with it too. And what I'm saying is they're just, people in the industry who are, are concerned about those. Right. And th- I think you'll yeah. always get that, especially people who are more artsy than others, then you can yeah, say yeah, commercial, yeah. but you know, you can't deny the fact that we just mentioned people are going to see these films. Mm-hmm. People are going to the theaters to see these films. That's what we want, right? We want people to be driving to the theater to see these things. And we want that to happen. So if you need to have one or two or three or whatever number of IP based films like this. Hey, this is what people want. You know, you can't knock that. Yeah. And people don't know this, but it was, well, I guess a lot of people do know it, but Oppenheimer is also an IP film. It was based on a book. So, um, something that the man, something of Prometheus. Most people, yeah. Most people don't realize how many films are based off of IP. They don't pay attention to that. This is based off of books. I mean, how many of the films that we see in the U S are based off of Japanese films or Korean films or (laughs) Swedish films that were made 10 years ago? You know, it's just, yeah, no one pays attention to that until it's something as big as Barbie or Avengers or star Wars. Yeah, exactly. And, I will tell you this. Oh, I should tell you this. Mutual buddy of ours, colleague of ours, friend of the podcast, Maki Dap, the first person I heard with a negative Oppenheimer review, hmm. did not like it. And we, me and him debated this point for 30 minutes about the movie. And I wish it were recorded because it is a master class. It is a master class on how to disagree with civility and learn something from one another, you know, cause sometimes yeah, you is. talk past people hey. when you're debating or you talk past people in conversations and you don't even realize you're doing it. Chris, nobody wants that. <laughs> <laughs> you throw that out, bro. If y'all ain't fighting, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you did not hit, you know where I'm going with this. If you did not hit and mock you with a chair, then nobody cares, bro. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Come on now. Yeah. 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 I, what was I thinking? Civil. Yeah. What are you what thinking, bro? This is the day of social media. Nobody yeah. wants your joy. No, yeah, nobody gotta, wants you being yeah. so calm. Yeah. I got <laughs> to break one of his ribs. How dare yes. you? But, <laughs> but, but he said something really interesting, though. Like the reason why I didn't like it. And so I was shocked, by the way, because Maki's a guy with incredible taste. And so with a guy, when a guy with incredible taste tells you he doesn't like it, then you stop and pause for a second, right? Wait, wait, Chris, you stop and go. <gasps> yeah, yeah, I was, I, I dropped, I dropped the phone. I dropped the phone like, like, uh, like the Kobayashi mug in the usual suspect. Like, yeah. just like, like this is slow motion. Yeah. Like, like, uh, dro- dropped it, but I picked it back up and he was saying, 
and I thought this was fascinating. He said that movie makes Oppenheimer look, it, it makes him look like the sympathetic character and Robert Oppenheimer was a terrible man. He was a terrible man. He was an awful person. And the movie did not, you know, did not depict him correctly. And it was a terrible use of its female characters. He said, they, they said they, they used uh, Florence Pugh all wrong. They had sort of an underwhelming role for Emily Blunt. And I was like, that is an interesting take because I'd read not the book that it's based on, but another Oppenheimer book um, that I have. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's a really good point, but they tried, he tried because the black and white scenes were the objective view of the world and the color scenes were the, was the view from Oppenheimer's POV. So they tried to balance that out, but maybe it wasn't enough. And another thing is that there was a lot of people that lived around the area of the first test site that to this day are still dealing with health issues and that area being messed up. But because what they did was they tested that bomb and did not tell anybody that they were going to do it. No warnings, no nothing. It was that secret. And it was like, just imagine that like this, most of this stuff happened like in Oak, like Oak Ridge, Tennessee, like, Imagine someone dropping something of the magnitude of a nuclear bomb and you not knowing about it until you end up with a lump on your neck or something like that, you know? So that's just how wild stuff stuff is. So I, I couldn't disagree with any of his points, but my counterpoint was, but here's the deal. You're judging it based on that storytelling aspect. And I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Were the performances great? He's like, yeah, they were incredible. I said, was the cinematography unbelievable? He goes, yeah, it was masterclass. I was like, did the editor, her name's Jennifer, I forget her last name. Was the editor unbelievable? Did she like pace a three hour movie and make you feel like you were chasing something the whole time? He goes, yeah, the editing was, it was never seen anything like it. How about the sound design? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched your non Yeah, this argument it's, seems really boring. And it's like, I'm and it's sorry. Like, I, I, it's I like, can't. This, this, this argument's not fun, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's like, he's like we, we had an argument, 30 minute argument. Well, it's not, it's not an argument. I said argument. <laughs> I, I said debate. I said debate. That's, well, is that even a debate? So, 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 so we weren't, the whole point is he, we weren't arguing. <laughs> the whole point. What are you we talking about? You arguing. You, at the beginning of this, you said you were arguing. No, I said we That's were what debating. You said. No, you no, said you were arguing. Now you're, Argumentative. Now you're arguing. <laughs> so, so well, I got to make this interesting, bro. So it's you a, just it's went a, on this whole thing about point, yeah, he agreed with is, me. He agreed. It's a, <laughs> it's a master class. No, he agreed with me on that. So he yes. still has his opinion that right. it wasn't a good movie, and he put okay. it on Letterboxd. Yeah, well, and I still have my opinion that it's the movie of the year. Got it. And maybe the most important film since Schindler's List. And we're both right. Right. Well, here's the thing. I, now, how just, often does that me, happen? Yeah, you gave me a great idea. So I think one of the things that you and I are going to do yeah. is you and I are going to find a movie mm-hmm. where we disagree. Okay. And we're going to try and, to be civil or, or, dis, or, or no, we're going to try we're to disrupt going, stuff. Yeah. No, we're not going to try anything. We're finding except a for this, except for this one thing, my friend. 
Okay. You and I are going to debate. Naked. Okay. We're going to take our sides. We're going to debate. However, you and I will take a shot every two minutes. Oh, my God. And see how long we can maintain civility. How about that? That's that'll be fun. Yeah, I know. Look at you. You're feeling it already. He's like every two minutes. No, no, me and you. (laughs) No, me and you. We won't. We'll we'll forget. We're talking about the movie. About the fourth shot in. Exactly. About the fourth shot in. We'll start talking about something else. And then what were we talking about? (laughs) Right. I don't know. That'll be that'll be the thing. So by the way, forty eight hour film festival coming up soon. Yep. Coming up. uh, on August 25th, 26th, the shooting. I think the reveal for the movies is after that, like end of the month, um, end of August. Full disclosure, we're recording this on August 17th so that people know like what the situation is, obviously. But this is cool. 48 is kind of the OG. No disrespect to the 54. 54. That we, yep. that we promoted this year. Uh, lo- love those folks. But the 48 is kind of the OG film festival competition. And, and the way it works is you get uh, a genre and a sub genre, basically um, not allowed to spend any money on the film. And then you get 48 hours to turn around a movie based on a, a genre and a sub genre they've given you. Um, and uh, it's just such a big challenge to do it. And uh, I was trying to save this for a different time, maybe for an internal meeting, but I want to announce that for the first time, I am going to be producing one of these 48 hour films now. Oh, can very you good. Believe it. Can uh, you believe I it? I can. I can. So what happened was, is the reason I was on the phone with Maki is because he called me and said, Chris, it's been six years. I think I am going to do a 48. And I said, Maki, I want you to know something. You and Aaron Nefay are the only two on the planet that make me feel anything. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. And we had a production meeting on Tuesday. It was great. Um, it's so much fun so far. The team is crazy. And I'm just so pumped. I cannot wait to show you guys this short film. We're going to put it up on our YouTube page. It's going to be dope. And um, I'm I'm so, so pumped and, and honored that he would think of me and, um, you know, as a resource and an asset. And that's really what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to be a resource and a, and a killer asset, you know, to to the production. Uh, and so with that in mind and, and, you know, the thing that's crazy is anything I get involved in, you're involved in by proxy. It's by just proxy. this weird thing that yeah. that, that happens. <laughs> Uh, but this, these are the moments. These are the moments. And I'm not being morose. Just chill out, Nick. I mean, crap, man. Just chill out. Don't be over the top, man. Just chill out. I'm not bugging you. I'm saying. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. These, these are the times where it sucks that you don't live in the same city as me. Yep. I know. This is. I'm not. I'm not tripping. I know. You're I'm not. just saying. I know. You would be having so much fun. And obviously you would be in it, too. Yeah. Well, like, the thing is, uh, is on that the ground, when, on set is what I mean. Yeah. What I'm saying is that when, when Maki calls mm-hmm. and he says that he's going to be doing a thing, then the gates of heaven open. 
and the light shines down. <laughs> you know, and the angels start to sing. You know, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's just one of those things where, yeah, you cannot help but to be happy that he is participating in this and that you get to to be a part of it. And it's going to be great because yep. Maki does great things and we want to see more of it. You know, I hope that the yep. 48 just relights the spark for Maki to be That's a creator exactly in right. his own right. And I want to see more stuff. You know, I want to be part of it. You know, the next thing yep. that he does and the next thing that he does and the next thing that he does because it's all You, know, be you know who he's like? He's like Robert Broadhurst. He's exactly like Robert Broadhurst, the filmmaker in out of New York. Yeah. I mean, I give you he, from the Robert the Broadhurst the knows quality. that he's well, what I mean is this. Both he and Robert Broadhurst spend all their time making the dopest commercials ever. Right? But both of them deep down know they're feature filmmakers. Well, that but and they, just, they both know that their own creative vision yep. is worth much greater weight on their own, right? The commercials yeah. are fire. Like you said, yes, but let them do their own thing, right? Outside of that commercial work and you get those commercials times 10, right? Yeah, exactly. Because exa- 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 fully their artistic vision. So yeah, I'm with you. If, it, if That's what I want to do. Me and you have to do that in the near future is somehow convince Robert Broadhurst to do a feature film and somehow pull Maki back into feature directing and writing. Cause no, I got an, I got world, an idea the, for you. The world needs their talent and you know, we can produce it. We can make it happen. So yeah, we, we need know. to get Robert at, at the minimum. Let's get a, a short film. I want Robert Broadhurst to make a film and then Maki to make the multiverse version of that film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like literally like kind yeah. of make his own version of that because their styles are different, but you could see how they could take it in these super creative ways around the same concept. I would love to see that. It's literally like flipping it to the other side of the multiverse and be like, if these characters yeah. lived over here, that's yeah. what they would be like. Oh dude, I would watch that all day. Yeah. No, no question about it. Um, you know, Maki's movies, if you if you boil them down, are tend to be about time in different yep. ways to display the the phenomenon of time. And so to to do that with Broadhurst, where where his you know films tend to be about, uh, or the his most famous one was about you know social issues and constructs, to bring time into that realm would be really really cool. So yeah, I actually am with that. That that that's dope. Yeah. So in honor of the forty eight. We bring on producer Papa Bear to give us a 48-hour film festival-themed things we should know. Producer Papa Bear, what is our record? Are we like one for 12 or like, like, like are we a winning team? Uh, well, I know we're a losing team. We're, 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 we do not beat you in this. You are. Man, this, this isn't a competition this is fun, That's man. Fun. I like to That's I like right. to make everything a competition. I know I you do. That's why I'm saying it. That's why I'm like, yeah. don't do that. This is fun, man. I enjoy it. You learn something new. Whose share hand something is with the audience. Okay, what you got for us, man? Producer Paul, what you got for us? 40, 48 hour film festival themed. Well, as you're well aware, the 
the 48-hour film project happens in cities all across the country and around the world. So in what year and in what city was the first 48-hour film project started? I have an answer. Here's what I want to do because we brought you in late. I feel like we should just answer this thing right here. Just try yeah, to we should. the deck. Because we, we still got to get to a culture check. Yep. And I'll yeah, give you a local follow-up to that as well. I got my answer. Nick, do you want to go first? Or sh- yeah, it's, or it's Cincinnati, Ohio. I just oh, I, I know great, that. That's a great. Yeah, have any idea a, what year it that's first a great started? Guess. I, I think that that actually it started in a 1983 in Cincinnati, Ohio. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to give mine. What, what's your mine, proper? Mine is Washington D.C. in 2002. Chris, you're the closest. Ding, ding, ding. It did start in Washington, D.C. Yo! <laughs> in 2001. Oh! <laughs> Are you kidding me? Can I tell you how I got to that? No, no. You go. You keep going. I'll tell you later. Yeah. The first film to win was White Bitch Down. Wait, wait a second. Wait, 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 no, 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 <laughs> I have no idea. Because yeah, it's obviously you're thinking Black Hawk Down, right? This Black, Black Hawk, Hawk Down. down. White, this is white, white bitch, bitch down? Down. White bitch down. White, like W H I T E or W I P E? W H I T E. White bitch down. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Can you imagine Very being good. given that script and and they're trying to cast? Who am I? White bitch. Yeah, hey. Well, you would have been you would have been right though. Like you're on point. Like, is it a military movie? Then it's like it all makes sense, right? It's yeah. like, okay, the name of the helicopter was White Bitch. Yeah. The, you know, one and of the better movies down. the hey. last five years is Last Black Man in San Francisco. There you go. You know, it just happens. Yeah. Okay. The, are the Boondogglers? Can somebody find out if the Boondogglers that made that film were was uh, any of the members were Jeff Magruder? Not is it Jeff Magruder? Or, who's the dude behind the Boondocks? The show, the Boondocks. Aaron uh, Magruder. Uh, Jeff Magruder's yeah. my friend. What am I talking about? Exactly. Yeah. Aaron Magruder. He had a show called The Boondocks that was super popular. Yeah. Obviously. And then every, every year since two thousand one, more and more cities have signed on. Mm-hmm. And what year did Nashville Nashville Film Festival sign on? This goes this goes back to why I picked the the dates in the city I picked. I want to say, friend of the podcast, and go check out her interview with us. It was great. Jennifer Bonnier has run the forty eight in Nashville for as long as I can remember, and I want to say she's been doing that. Since two thousand and nine, am I supposed nope. to guess? It's two thousand seven. Uh, you're closer. Oh, it's two thousand three. 
Mm, Nashville joined in 2003. Oh, we jumped on quick. Yeah, I thought cool. was I thought I was late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I either Bonnier's been doing it since then, or there was somebody beforehand. Oh, you know who it was? You know who's I, running? I think it, it was. I, I thought it was Chris Conner. Chris Connors. Didn't Chris Connors run the Forty Eight for a little bit? Fantastic filmmaker. They have a feature film coming out um, pretty soon, but but they're the guys behind uh, Old Henry that that uh, blew up the indie scene last year. Uh, a friend of the podcast as well. Shout out to Chris Connor. So I thought it, maybe he ran the 48 for a while before handing it off to Jennifer. Um, uh, who runs it now is uh, Sarah De La Haya, homegirl yeah. Sarah De La Haya. And I think and uh, Ali Asala is on there as well. Uh, we haven't had Sarah on the podcast, but we should soon. And Ali, of course, is the freaking man. So uh, shout out to both of them. Shout out to Ali and Sarah for running the 48. I know it's going to be great going forward, but um, it's so cool that it started kind of in your backyard, Nick. It is very cool. And honestly, I can't believe that it made that quick transition over to yeah. uh, Tennessee. That's, that's very quick. Uh, yeah. And I, honestly, yeah. I wonder what else has come out of D.C., you know, they've got a lot of the um, environmental film festivals and, you know, whistleblower like that, film that festival. happen here, whistleblower, but they have, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, smaller, Shout especially short McCray. film, you know, film festivals, you know, up here as well. So, yeah, I'm curious, you know, what else started here, you know, or yeah. what have we adopted, um, you know, since its inception? So that's, that's, that's cool. I don't, they have a sort of an unfriendly, I want to be careful how I say it, that they, they, they have a, a, a sort of one-sided contract, but I hear that they're pretty good about letting the filmmaker move around within that contract uh, after a certain period of time, or if they just don't feel like you're going to monetize your short film in any meaningful way. But I think a lot of these filmmakers are like, Hey, we got it. This was a blast. They put on this presentation. It cost them a ton of money up front. We're cool with it. We were just making this short film as a proof of concept anyway. Uh, they don't keep me from putting it on my website. I get to put it on my reel. I'm good to go. I didn't plan on monetizing the, the film. So, you know, I think that it works out for most filmmakers anyway. So I just wanted to mention that just so we keep it a buck on this, on this podcast, like we do, you know, so just yep, want to talk about good. the contract. Anyway, producer PB, that was a, a damn good one. I appreciate it. And make yep. sure you, you mark down on the book. Half point for old for old Chrissy here. Half <laughs> okay. point for old Chrissy. I, I appreciate All you. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's get into this, yeah. man. Let's let's roll it, bro. Culture check. Gonna, yeah, I'm excited about this one. I got I got opinion opiniones. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna do this. This thing we call the culture check. <laughs> and you know, we're gonna roll with it. So there's I guess there's two things, right? So the first one was this week, I think it was like two days ago in Oxford. So there's this was it the Oxford robbery, right? Mm-hmm. There's this yeah, store yeah. called JD sports. And there was this uh, thing going on TikTok. It basically told, you know, kids go to this place and we're going to loot this place, yeah. right? We're going to loot JD sports. And they got like, yeah. you know, I was it hundreds of kids come out there. And if you see the videos, you see them sprinting, they're running around and primarily running because the cops are there. Like they're prepared for this, you know? And one of the things that I saw about this in the news was like, even in what they told the kids on TikTok was basically don't come if you can't run. Like, (laughs) 
you know what I'm saying? Like this is legitimately they're they're stirring these kids up to come either be looters and loot this place or be a part of this. Who's saying right? this melee? And that's a, I don't know who they are. Oh, okay. I think that's what they're looking into. They're trying to figure out where did this come from? Yeah, you know, how did right. this start? But it became a thing. It's like the what was it the the Hyundai's? You know, people stealing these cars because they figured out a way to do it, and now it's getting on TikTok and everybody's doing it. So it's the same thing. It's like just stir these kids up. And then you got a week ago in New York City, it was a Twitch streamer who said, "I'm gonna give away PlayStation 5s. And then you got not hundreds, I think it was like thousands of kids came mm-hmm. out. And it turned into what they're calling a riot. And again, I know that there's some, you know, contention around calling it a riot because I don't think that was the intent. But what ended up happening is you got these kids fighting police. You know, they're throwing stuff at the police. They're, you know, standing on top of cars. They're breaking cars. I mean, there's and they're not supposed to be there. You got to have a permit, right, to be in these spaces. So in any case, this is another case where social media was used in order to get these kids to do crazy, dumb stuff. Yeah. So the culture check in here for me, I mean, it could go so many different ways. Um, but the the primary thing is I'm looking at this, you know, this is content. This is streaming content. And they're using these avenues, these streaming vehicles, specifically social media, to get these kids to do just crazy stuff. And they're able to move them in crazy ways. Right. And that's kind of the difference between like we were just talking about Barbie and Oppenheimer. Right. What yeah. did Barbie move people to do? Buy pink, bro. Like buy yeah. buy some pink Barbie shoes and a pink sweater and a messy jersey. By so the way, they were the brilliant because pink was already having a moment. Yeah. And they but what I'm, that even right. Right. But what I'm saying is that that's what that that's what the movies are moving people to do. Right. But these folks who are making streaming and, and their directors are in the behind the scenes are talking about how great the movie is. These streamers, right, through Twitch, right, influencers, these folks on social media are now moving people to do things that are illegal. Like, what's happening? You know, like, is this is this some so the way that I think about it is that, you know, a lot of folks who are in the movie industry, these are grown folks. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? These are adults yeah. who understand that, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Now, don't yeah. do this foolish stuff. But what's happening, which was is totally different, right? You don't see these, as you know, I call them. It's like you don't see these gods being created who are moving people to do these things in industry, in film industry, in the movie industry, like you're seeing them being created in social media. In a social right. media space, these little gods are children, Right. And these children are telling children to do things that they shouldn't do. And, you know, I think for at least for this audience, it's like, hey, many of people who are listening to us have children, you know, and they need to be aware of these types of things that are happening out there because even their children might be swayed. Right. To go get their PlayStation five or go loot someplace or who knows what they can get into. Right. 100%. And, and, and that's the thing. It's like, it's really, I, I'm a huge advocate, as you know, especially in the indie film space of making that delineation between our filmmakers and then this other world of content creators, because we yeah. don't see our filmmakers doing anything near this, you know? So that's, anyway, I just wanted to bring it up because I think that there is a culture check that needs to happen when it comes to, you know, how, with the influence that these influencers have 
over people, specifically kids on social media. Yeah, it's interesting too, for especially for us and from our POV, like we're, we're pro social media influencers. Yep. Because they're great tools for selling your movie in the marketing space. You know, shout out to uh, Elizabeth Donaldson. Like she's doing her thing. I think she does it in the right way. You know, exactly. She, yep. She influences in the right way. So it's not, it's not a critique on all social media influencers at all. Like I think it's, you know, we're, we're certainly pro that, but we're in this space now where it's, it's kind of like almost akin to the AI argument of late where it's like, you can use AI for good or evil, There's right? Double edged sword to it. Yep. You can, you can use AI to do better surgeries and find cures for cancer and uh, I think the biggest breakthrough that AI had was where it found uh, the, the protein stat. And and they hadn't been able to figure that out for decades. And it figured out how these proteins were constructed. But then the thing everyone's money, worried about is, can a, can a malevolent AI figure out how to launch a nuclear bomb? Yeah, well, you can do, you can do a lot of things. <laughs> so that's a pretty that, that's a pretty that's a pretty big swing, right? That's a pretty big swing, right? And so social influencers have that same swing. They can have your kid eating a Tod Pod, uh, or uh, they can have them just laughing and, and being entertained, or even doing something good for social change. And so shout out to Tristan Harris, who you know let us know and has been letting us know for a long time now that like the power of social media is really hard to overcome, especially if your kids are on it. And this confluence of being a single parent in a big city, working two jobs and having to depend on your child to make quality decisions, while at the same time, the, 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 the bitter pill and all that is you might be out there working two jobs and they don't even respect you for it because you didn't you didn't make it in the world they see on social media. So by comparison, you're not you're a loser to them. So they'd really listen to Kai and and go in and and get with 80,000 people trying to win a PS5. Right. Yep. You know, they'd really listen to whoever the social media influencer is on TikTok and tell them to go rob JD Sports. Like they respect that. And it's it all it is is gang, it's just gang membership at scale. It's the same, same, same concept. You need a family, we'll give you a family. I know this social media influencer who has this small basket of people, 100 to 200 people, and he goes live on Instagram once a week. And he's famous for sleeping with like his, like a goat. Like he just like, he lays in the bed and talks live and he's got his goat and some other animals all in the bed with him. And it's just like weird stuff that influencers can do. And there's somebody for everybody. But what is the influence you're, you know, like you're espousing, you know? And, and so like I, like I said earlier today to one of our mutual friends, there's no silver bullet. There's no silver bullet for uh, how to fix it. And there's no silver bullet for how it gets created. It's a confluence of things that are all happening at the same time. The algorithms, the loneliness at scale, uh, Bad parenting, good parenting, gr- or good intention parenting, but non-attentive parenting. Um, also, our education system is a big part of it, frankly. I went to a high school graduation in the spring, 
I opened the book. They give you the book. The main reason you want to get the book at a high school graduation is so you know when this shit's going to be over. <laughs> and so you get the book to see what the program is. They How many times they sing it? How many times they sing it? Because unless this is a black funeral, I'm not, I don't need it. It was a band uh, coming out. Yeah, yeah. So you look at the book and I'm, and I'm going through the book and I'm like, yo, there are way too many people with that symbol by their name showing that they had top honors for grades, showing that they had like, you know, there were like four salutatorians and two valedictorians. Like, like what's going on? There can't be more than 10% of your graduating class with over a 4.0 average or you didn't teach them anything. <laughs> so you, you just can't have that many people with over a 4.0 grade point average or, or you wouldn't teach them anything. I mean, that's, that, that's all because it's supposed to separate the great from the good. That's what education does by nature. When I, when I graduated high school and graduated college, it, it meant something to be summa cum laude. It meant something to be the salutatorian or valedictorian. Man, I talked to some of these kids. Something's going on. It's a conspiracy of the ages, to quote Lil <laughs> Boosie. It's a conspiracy <laughs> of the ages. These kids are not smart. <laughs> Dumb dumbs. Wow. Dumb dumb. I, I grew up in a poor neighborhood. I used to know this guy who used to run drugs from Florida to Nashville. He used to drive a little two-door white BMW. He's a violent dude. Scary, but cool, cool dude. See, what I'm trying to get to is that he wasn't he wasn't a foolish guy. You know what I mean? He he talked calmly. He wasn't outlandish, but he but he you know like he you know he didn't have 22s or 24s on his car, but he had a nice car. He lived nice, and he used to he used to uh, he put me up on some game on 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 cars he used to steal because you mentioned stealing Hondas earlier on on social media. See. Today, the kids have somebody say, go steal a Honda, and here's how you do it, or a Honda. Here's how you do it, and they go steal it. Or somebody on social media says, go rob JD Sports, and they go do it. Or Kai says, I'm giving away a PS5 or some other stuff, meet me here, and the whole world shows up because his fan base is so, like, he's got the biggest gang in the world, it feels like. So they show up. But back then, people moved a little bit more smooth. You didn't steal something unless you had somebody to sell to in advance. So you find somebody who wants a Mercedes, then you go steal a Mercedes, scratch the serial code, paint it, and then sell it. What these dum-dums do today is they steal the car and put it in their daddy's garage. <laughs> the cops show up. <laughs> cops right, show up right, and like, right. where'd you get this Mercedes? Doesn't look like it belongs to you. I just ran the serial number you didn't scratch. Looks like it belongs to, to you know, Eddie down the street. I take you to jail now. I got to take your daddy to jail now. I got to take your mama to jail now. You see what I'm saying? And so I've just noticed that, that like when I grew up, we kept, we, we were quiet. And now you got to share everything or you're weird. So that's, that's the, that's the source of social media's power, right? Is sharing. That's, that's what it's there for. You know, that's, that's what the, I mean, even that, if you're not on social, people question you, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then people check you to see oh, if you, do you know what you're talking about? Well, how, let me see if you know what you're talking about. 
by saying how many followers you have. Right. Is that, mm-hmm. that doesn't even make yeah. any sense. Social credit. <laughs> social validation. Yeah. But the yeah. social credit, that, that doesn't even make any sense, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but it has this power, uh, that I think is, is kind of, um, again, it can be abused, but for this audience, one of the things that I would like to kind of put out there for somebody, some creative, maybe it's Maki, maybe it's Robert Broadhurst, somebody else. Mm-hmm. I would like someone to make actually not one person. I would love for multiple people to make short films. Mm-hmm. that describe how any of these kids made it to those places. Yeah. You just mentioned being a single parent and having two jobs or whatever. That's, that's one case. But what about the rich kid on the Hill who shows up to get a PS five, yeah, right? Yeah, What's yeah. in it? Like you said, there's a gang mentality, right? It, it's not about have or have not. It's about wanting to be part of the gang. So I would yeah. love to see those different perspectives because you know that's how it is. It's like all these different kids coming from all these different backgrounds. What drives a person to do something? I mean, especially the Oxford stuff. What drives them to do something that they know is illegal? Now, let me yeah. let me bring this other thing into the context of this conversation and why this particular stuff is of interest to me personally. So my daughter used to watch this dad daughter duo on YouTube and the father's a photographer. The daughter is a, uh, is a gymnast and she does acrobatics and all sorts of stuff. So Mm -hmm. the dad would go to these places, different places, he'd go to the beach, he'd go to the mall, different places with his daughter. And he would photograph her doing, you know, cool poses, right? Very gymnastic poses. It seems pretty benign. Right. Yeah. So they would stand on, you know, a statue or a, a bench or something like that and do some crazy flexibility thing you've never seen in your life. It's like, that's really cool. <laughs> right. And for my yeah. daughter who's into dance and is, who's into gymnastics, this is kind of like aspirational to a degree. Yeah. I had her stop watching that. And the reason is, is because the father was taking the daughter into the mall and he knew that you're not supposed to be taking pictures in these stores, in the mall, you were not supposed to be standing on top of the things that this girl was standing on top of and posing. He knew that. He knew that. And you could see it in the video. You could see the mall cops, right? Chasing them down, telling them they need to leave. He'd say, oh, here they are again. Or he'd say, you know, remember last time we were here, we got kicked out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're breaking the rules, man. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not supposed to be doing that stuff, even for the shot. But he's yeah. doing it. It's dangerous. He started getting. He started getting caught up in it. Yeah, but that's his thing. And that's his thing. He got caught up in it. He's gonna. But he's gonna get my daughter caught up in it as well, where she's not gonna understand. There's rules that you're supposed to follow, right? Yeah. Like there's order. There's civility here. You can't just break those rules because you want to get a cool shot for YouTube or yeah. for social media. Mm. And that's just a little thing. And that's what I'm saying is that those little things that are on in content that's out there, you got to be aware of it, man. You know, so every little tiny thing. What you just brought up is is a big part of it that we didn't address because it happens. It's called audience capture. Mm-hmm. It's when you alter the show and become, as a result, you have less authenticity because your audience, you think your audience wants something and you start providing it to your audience. And on paper, it sounds like a good thing. It's not. 
your audience needs to show up for who you are because your best way to thwart competition and to differentiate yourself in any market is to be the most like yourself as possible because there's only one you. So this influencer that got people to go down to Oxford and, and rob JD sports, he could have even been, he could have been egged on by his audience. His audience is needing ever more larger stunts, bigger and bigger things. I see a lot of prank uh, YouTube video creators. They have yep. to do ever bigger stunts, ever of bigger course. stunts until, until they kill themselves, honestly. Right. Like the audience isn't happy in their mind until they kill themselves. Jackass, uh, man. Uh, you remember Jackass, that? That's Logan, you know? <laughs> Logan, Logan Paul, Paul brothers. They, yep. they almost killed themselves and killed other people because they have to keep getting bigger. They're, they're caught up in audience capture. It's like, I, I don't want to come on here and pretend to be somebody else and have audience capture and have you guys, uh, having us break into film sets and take illegal videos so you can be satisfied. <laughs> like we're not going to do that. And and I think that's what happens. I think Kai as popular as he is and as much control, I feel like he has over his own show. He does have an interactive fan base, an active fan base that expects him to do ever bigger things because he's always doing something really big and bombastic. Um, shout out to Mr. Beast. I don't think he suffers from that. He makes the videos he wants to make and the audience comes to him. Right. But well, he I think he also does it within the rules. At some point. I think and he, he has, the, he you know, rules. a sense of yeah. ethics and civility. So that's good yeah. too. But yeah, yeah, so I think that's it. As that, with this stuff that's going on, I think that again, it's just coming back to, I guess, you know, two things is this one with great power comes great responsibility. And I would hope that most that more of these influencers and people on TikTok and whatever, you know, just learn that. And then the second piece yeah. of it is, is, hey, if you are a parent, watch what your kids are watching. Right. Yeah. Because you need to understand the types of things that might be swaying their own ethical balance. Right. Like I said, I turned that stuff off. It's not terrible that they were, I mean, this isn't breaking the law to the point that someone's getting hurt that this father and daughter duo was doing, but that's just enough of a question of, do I really need to listen to authority? You know, do I really need to follow those rules? And if you start allowing your kids to get into that and start bending things or making excuses as to why they don't need to follow the rules or be civil or have ethics, yeah then I think that that can just snowball into these things like what happened in Oxford and New York City. Here, here, 100%. And that was a big sigh, man. It's it's impossible to solve the parenting problem. And, you know, you do want to watch what your kids are watching to the degree that you can if you're in that, if you're in that situation. But it's just, you get you get to this place where you're kind of famous and you don't know what to do with it. And I think we're seeing the dark side of what it's like when everybody gets a chance to be famous a little bit. It's power, bro. Ima- imagine what happens. <laughs> yeah. If, if the guy you're Children talking about was, 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 <laughs> power. was, let's say 20 X more famous. What would he be doing? What would he be doing then? Yeah. You know, I was, ta- I was talking to uh, producer release earlier this week. I was like, we do not want to build a culture of cutting corners here. Because once you cut a corner, you'll always cut a corner and you'll cut bigger corners. And then you'll, what you do is you'll ruin yourself. You'll ruin yourself because that's how it goes. So, um, yeah, it's a good place to, it's a good, it's a good, great point. I'm glad you brought it up. Dope culture check. And, um, 
it's a good place to end, man. Yep, I, I sure. enjoyed this. I'm glad to I'm glad to see you. I'm glad you're back home. Yeah, man. Kicking I'm it. back. I'm Any back. Talk bro. right away. Yep. Um, I'm back. Where'd you, tell people where you went? Uh, Virginia Beach. And I will say that uh, one of the cool things about Virginia Beach is that the water is super shallow. And if you got little kids, then they can get in there and they can walk out so very far um, and be safe. So it's pretty cool. I love it. I love it. And it's, it's been a, it's been a year of trips, man. Like we've been all over. I'm headed out again pretty soon, but hopefully that'll be it for the year. And then um, we'll get ready for uh, the festival run in the fall. It'll be great. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, so anyway, it's been a blast. Pre- appreciate it. Uh, producer Papa Bear. Thank you, producer Elise. If you want to get in touch with us, that's easy. Couldn't be easier. That's uh, contact at bonsai.film. You can email us and let us know what you think. You can also, speaking of social media and influence, you can find us on social media all over the place uh, at underscore bonsai creative. We've got some new cool things happening on social, uh, especially in on X, the platform X. And we're going to switch some things around on Quora and we're going to switch some things around on Instagram coming soon. So keep your eye out for that. But for the most part, you can find us at underscore bonsai creative. You can reach out to me directly at flaming your heart on Twitter. You can reach out to Nick at Nick at bonsai.film. Yes. He's a brave man, a brave soul. That is an email address. Let him know what you think uh, about uh, this podcast, about any points he was making about his culture checks. And I do appreciate the fact that I am wearing a black Henley and you are wearing a white Henley. I think it's a perfect descriptor for me and you. And so with the, oh, I was going to go into the thing, but you know what? Can't do that yet because I got to mention the, the newsletter. We do a bi-weekly newsletter. It's awesome. It's called Indie Insights. It's a great newsletter. We pour our heart into it. Our staff is so passionate about this. Like, I know you know, Nick, but like the people just need to know, like we, we I think bring a top one, 2% newsletter from a content perspective. It's not just a bunch of aggregating the stories in Hollywood and putting them in a newsletter for you. We don't do that. Like we find the esoteric, we find the the rare and difficult to find. And then we have commentary on top of that. So we're going to do some more stuff with that. You can subscribe to that. It's free. It's easy. It's not spam. www.bonsai.film. So B-O-N-S-A-I dot F-I-L-M forward slash subscribe. And you can subscribe to that newsletter. On top of that, we are soon going to bring our blog page back on our website as well. So look out for some new blogs. So we just got a ton of stuff going on, man. And uh, what better segue than than that to have a lot of stuff going on in the community than, than to bring you in to, to give us the credo? Yep. Yeah, this is what we do, man. You know, this is for our, our friends, our family, our followers out there. Uh, and just before I give the credo, I will say uh, that there's an opportunity. There are plenty of opportunities for folks out there who are interested in giving back and supporting, you know, your fellow humans uh, out there in Lahaina, uh, Maui. If oh, yeah. you just look up anything that has to do with, you know, hashtag Maui strong, uh, you'll find uh, a slew of resources out there. Uh, we also did recently provide some resources in our newsletter as well. But, you know, hashtag Maui strong, you know, look for opportunities to support the folks who've lost everything uh, in the fires in Lahaina. Um, you know, it's sad to say Lahaina is gone, you know, and hopefully, uh, you know, with everything else, we'll be able to rebuild uh, the lives of the people out there, the homes, um, everything that was lost. You, you can't you can't get it back, but you can, you know, 
rebuild and, and, and create something new. And, and hopefully the, uh, I will say the, the government of Hawaii and maybe it's the federal government will need to get involved in as well in hoping in, in helping to maintain that land for the people of Hawaii. So, um, again, hashtag Maui strong, uh, support wherever, whenever you can. Um, that would be greatly appreciated by, you know, everyone there. And again, just help your fellow human. Uh, with that, I will say be better, be creative, be engaged. And thank you for listening, Nick. Appreciate you, man. Talk to you soon. Yes, sir. We'll do it again, man. Absolutely. Uh, my kids hate how I say Hawaii because of you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure, my brother. <laughs> All right, man. Take it easy. Peace. Be good. Yeah, you too. Bye. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. For more information about this episode, please visit our website at www.banzai.film. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative, and the show will pop right up. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative. In addition, you can provide feedback to us via email at contact at bonsai.film. You now have the opportunity to support the production of this podcast. If you love Make It and are a true fan of what we are trying to accomplish in the indie film community, please consider supporting our Patreon page. We spend a combined 35 hours a week producing each episode. We do this with a small team of go-getters that are passionate about film and connecting people with similar interests across the globe. And we have lots of goodies in store for our supporters, including bonus content, exclusive swag, and discounts and freebies to private film events. If that sounds like something you can get behind, donations start at only $5 monthly. And, of course, if you're looking to take a big step toward your film's financial success, go to www.banzai.film and click on Services to explore our unrivaled approach to film marketing. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better. Be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.